I'm back with another tale, Tales of a Bumbling Idiot. This one, we are going to dive in a little bit to how I deal with different levels of maturity. I find out in this um, experience what kind of level of maturity I'm looking for from a mate, um, along with a few other things, like how bad I throw and how terribly late I am to everything. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode, episode two, featuring Chad of Tales of a Bumbling Idiot. One of the things I was most worried about when I started this podcast was that I was going to forget some of the stories, and that almost just happened. We're only on the second episode, and I almost forgot this part of the tale, because when you're thinking, when I'm thinking about my dating history, it's it's got some blips on the timeline that are real memorable because maybe there were relationships that lasted a certain amount of time. But some of the best stories are things that were only a couple of dates long because the weirdness that can happen in that amount of time is still extreme. So I have the last date that I told you about, it was in January of 2019. And when I realized that I was not ready to date and that maybe that was the whole problem, um, moving forward with, uh, that first gentleman I went on a date with, I kind of took a break. I got off of my online dating apps. I kind of tried to just hang out with friends. I was like hanging out with this, um, guy friend who I was into, but he was not into me and everybody kept trying to tell me he wasn't into me. And it was just kind of like, I think a subconscious, like self, like holding pattern where like, I knew things were never going to move forward with him, but I didn't want anything to move forward with anybody really. So something to kind of keep my mind and time occupied and whatever it's, it is what it is. So towards the summer of that year, I started branching out more and thinking more about dating, still not on dating apps, but, um, found myself at a dinner with some friends, um, who we all just kind of ran in different circles because we were all met at the gym and gym friends are so special because they see you sweat and they see how much you show up for yourself and they show up for you and they encourage you. And I have this one friend named Mackenzie. That's not a real name, but I don't want her friends to hear this and then realize who the players are. So I'm trying to just keep everybody as anonymous as possible. So Mackenzie, you'll know who you are. Um, I have this friend Mackenzie who was the first person I met at this gym. She was like, I wanted to die when I first started um, at this boxing gym. It's core in East Peoria. Um, shout out core. They're amazing. You should go there. Um, and they, I was like, wanted to die. And this girl kept being like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And I was like, ah, and she is lovely and wonderful and has the largest heart and has a million friends because she should, because she's an amazing person. And so as we're sitting at this dinner, I'm talking to her and I said, Hey, you know, Mackenzie, you play a ton of sports. You know, all of these people, you have to have like single guy friends, right? Anybody you want to set me up with? And she was like, I no. She was like, there's no guys that I would like burden one of my friends with being set up with that I know. And she was just recently engaged herself and had been out there and like single and like understanding what that's like. And so I did feel like I was getting a true assessment of what she was trying to tell me. Like, girl, I get it. But no, you don't want any of these. So we kind of laughed and had a good time at dinner. And then towards the end, she's like, hey, you know, I do have this one friend. His name's Chad. His name's not really Chad. And I said, okay. I was like, well, would you date him? And she was like, well, no, but because he's like a brother to me. She was like, I just really could not even, she was like, but I think objectively he's good looking. She was like, he's got a very weird personality. 
And I was like, okay. She was like, I'm just going to say it. Like, he is going to be strange. And I'm a type of person who, like, I don't like basic. I like strange. So, like, yeah, okay, bring it on. Let's do it. So, <laughs> so I said, okay. Um, I mean, I guess. So, she was like, well, do you have a picture of yourself I can, like, send him? And she showed me a picture of him. And I was like, okay, he's got dark hair, which is usually what I'm attracted to. Um, average height. Nice looking guy. Um, engineer, she's like, he's got a good job, um, large manufacturing company here where he worked. And, um, I was like, yeah, no, I, I think like, you know, so far all signs say yes, I'll talk to him. So she met him at a party later that night, showed him my phone or showed him my picture. He said yes. And so I texted him or maybe he texted me. I'm not sure. And we start chit chatting, but like, it's so dry. And here's the thing with a setup. It's like, he wasn't asking to be set up. I was asking to be set up. And so since he was pulled into the situation, first of all, he just really wasn't in on it to begin with. Like, I don't, like, there was not the motivation to, like, chat. I just feel like if they wanted to, they would. I will not draw a conversation out of you. I will not, like, beg and plead. I am good at uh, carrying on a conversation with people, but you all know what I'm talking about. When you're trying to talk to somebody and you're getting, like, emojis back or it takes six hours for, like, a one-word response, uh, if you don't have time, that's totally, totally fine. But, like, I'm making time in my very busy schedule to find uh, some companionship. And so if you don't like if you don't want to even like have the conversation, it just feels like a waste of time. But at this point in my dating life, like I really was just like trying to give everybody the benefit of doubt, trying to like really just be in it for all the experiences that could come along. And I didn't want to like be mean to this guy who was Mackenzie's friend. So I was like, okay, all right, he's not great at the texting. So we chatted for a little bit and we decided to meet up and we were going to meet for a drink. I wore, um, color I feel very confident in. I was very happy to be going on the date. I was early. Um, I had a drink before he got there. I think this was back when I like wanted to have a drink on a date to loosen up a little bit. I don't really even drink anymore, but, um, it was definitely a part of the component back then. Like, you know, loosen the wheels a little bit so you don't feel quite so nervous to meet somebody. Um, we sat at this bar. It was during the day. It was a daytime weekend, like Saturday type of, um, day. It was near the end of June, mid June, something like that. And we talked for hours. Like the conversation was really pretty good. Um, no red flags popped up while we were talking. He was good at conversation, really giggly, tended to like, um, look for the humor a lot. I noticed like maybe some more like bathroom humor type of stuff, which again, um, is not my brand. I think I mentioned it in my last episode with Colin that I just don't get into like the fart and poop humor and it's totally fine. If other people do, I just am not going to like sympathy laugh. That's just not my game. So there was like a little bit of like, Oh, that doesn't overlap, but that's okay. You don't have to get, agree on everything. And so the date was going good. My friend Mackenzie texted me and was like, Hey, how's it going? I said, it's actually going like really well. Um, and she said, well, we're all over here having a cookout at our other mutual friend's house. Why don't y'all come over? And I, we'd already been sitting there for like maybe three hours at this point. Okay. So he said, do you want to go? And I was like, well, I guess, I guess I can. And then we sat there and talked a little bit longer at the bar. He mentioned that he really loved Disney world. And I was like, oh, okay. And this was a, he was single, no kids, never married, no kids. 
And he said, like, I just really love Disney World. And I was like, okay, great. And he was like, I've been so many times. And I was like, okay, sure. And he was like, I was like, do you go with, like, friends? Or he's like, sometimes I just go by myself. And I was like, okay. He was like, it's just. And then he started, a like, a, a pretty long conversation about why he loved Disney World. Um, Like, a pretty long conversation. Maybe, like, 30 minutes of Disney World fandom. And so, again, I don't knock anybody for anything that they are passionate about. Go you. Um, I think this just was like probably like a maturity level check-in spot that like I could have been more aware of at the time. Um, and I learned to like kind of have my spidey senses out for more things, um, like moving forward after this experience. So we went over to their friend's house. Um, it was awkward as hell because, um, nobody knew me there except for my friend Mackenzie and her boyfriend and everybody knew that we were on a date and everybody knew him. It was just very strange. Also, I told you these are this this Mackenzie. I'd met her from the gym. She's a real life friend. She's not just a gym friend. She's a friend in all components, but she's a very athletic person. And you know, by like association, a lot of the people she surrounds herself with are also. So they started playing a sport of some sort in the backyard. It was some sort of like baseball esque, but like we didn't have a whole team type of thing. So like really just like throwing a ball. Oh, it was no, I remember now. It was like. <laughs> They had like a fire pit in this backyard with like a ring of swings around it that you could like sit in. So there was like a structure around this fire pit and it was, um, I don't know how this game ended up being, but it was something like you stand in one corner of the yard and you throw this ball over to the fire pit area. And if you can get it like to stay in the fire ring area and not bounce outside of like where the swings are and stuff, you got certain points. It was like a made up backyard game, which I am like, always on board for uh, the more ridiculous this the scheme it was to come up with it the more I want to play it but I also was like in white shorts and heels because it was the summer and a tank top and a strapless bra and this is like grass in the back and even if I'd been in like a fucking pitcher's uniform with cleats I wouldn't have got the ball there I need y'all to understand that like my athletic abilities <laughs> It wasn't my attire that was completely holding me back. I'm just saying I already am not great at throwing anything <laughs> except for a bit. And I was also not dressed for the situation. So I had a lot of things going against me, but I made an ass of myself. I was the only person in the whole party that couldn't make it over to the thing. They like at my next turn said, you can move up. Like they gave, <laughs> they gave me like a, oh, the rest of us have to throw from this line, which I think if I remember correctly, it was like a two by four in the yard that somebody just like been like, this is where we throw from. But I got to walk up further forward. I even tried taking my shoes off. It did, like, I just suck at throwing things. Okay. Great storyteller. Not so good on the throwing. So I think I also taste like tried Malort for the first time at this place. Um, the party ran out of beer. I helped some people go on a beer run. And then I was like, I think it's time for me to go. I've now been with this dude for like six hours straight. I had some other friends that were going to have dinner in town and I had planned to meet up with them. And like now this date is going so long and like I'm hanging out with all the friends. It's great. Um, but we're sitting on the couch just watching um, sports games and he held my hand on the couch which for me was a bold move with like a whole living room full of people. Like we're all on the couch. It's our first date. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The handheld hold was like really felt forced. I don't know. But I was like, you know, this guy's trying. I'm just like, let's just do it. You know? So I held his hand awkwardly on the couch. 
I decided it was time for me to go and meet my friends. So I said, I'm going to go. Uh, and he walked me out to my car, gave me a hug, told me he'd like to see me again. And we decided to text some more. And that was that. So I don't hear from him for like a while. Like, I think there's like some random texts back and forth, like, Hey, how's it going type of thing. But not anything. I'm, I'm on the fence if we'll even see each other again. I'm not like wowed by how great of a time it was, but it also, also wasn't bad. It just didn't really feel like a connection, but I thought like, Hey, we'll just see what, what happens, you know? So we talk a little bit and we agree to go out to dinner for a second date. Um, we are now probably approaching the last week of June. Um, so this is probably all about two weeks spread apart. So he suggested a couple of different seafood restaurants in town. One of them is my favorite restaurant. I said, that would be great. Let's go there. So we decided to go to this restaurant and have a nice meal. As, um, we're seated, we start to get some more chit chat going. I had like one glass of wine. I'm not as nervous and I was worried about like drinking and having a good time. And he said, I'm going to order some oysters. Do you want any? And I said, no, I've tried oysters before. I don't, it's something about the texture. Please feel free. If you want them like full support, I, it's just not for me. He said, okay. So we ordered oysters. We order our meal. We're sitting there. His oysters come. And so he's eating them. You know, oysters aren't an attractive thing to eat. I'm not going to like knock anybody for just like sitting and eating oysters and somebody's just like talking. Like, it's just, it's uncomfortable. How do I not watch you eat these? I'm not trying to stare at you, but you're talking. It's just a weird thing. So I try to just get into like a little bit of a conversation with him. And, um, he asked me about what I do for a living. And at this point, um, in my divorce in my life, I was, a, I was a dental hygienist. That's what I was doing at the time. And I, and so I told him that and he asked me a few follow-up questions, which are pretty standard when anybody would find out that I was dental hygienist. And I said, um, you know, it's really strange. He said like, Oh, doesn't it gross you out? Which is like number one thing that people ask about. And I said, no, not really. And then he was like, well, the spit and like the blood, and he kind of starts talking about some pretty gross stuff, but he's the one eating oysters. I have, I don't have anything in front of me and I'm not squeamish. So I'm like, well, he's opening up the door. Like, okay. And I said, well, Yeah, that's what everybody says. It's not really that gross. I was like, I don't, none of that kind of stuff bothers me in the mouth. I was like, I don't like it outside of the mouth. Like, I don't want to see you spit in public. I said, one time I was watching like a crime show and it was about a boxing um, ring and they, a lot of boxing themes in this episode. And they, they um, like had a spit bucket that they had to sift through for evidence. And I was like that, I couldn't, I could not handle like that the spit was in the bucket. Like, I don't want to see the spit outside of the body, but as a dental hygienist, it's very like, it never, it never bothered me. I don't know why this is like my mental distinction. I understand this is not how everybody feels. I was just making conversation because he kept talking about how gross it was. And he said, yeah, I, I guess spitting is kind of gross. I agree with you. And I said, now I understand when you're working out, when you are, you know, you get a lot of, spit going sometimes when you're like really active and like sometimes I'll see like runners spit or something like that. I was like, and I understand that, but it's just still not like my jam to spit. And he said, well, I'm a runner and I don't spit. And I said, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. And he said, but I can't seem to swallow it either. So I just kind of let it run out the corners of my mouth and kind of fall down to my shoulders or trail behind me, like kind of like a bulldog. And he made 
the motion with his fingers, like how the spit would like be like waving in a, like a line behind his mouth, uh, like over his shoulders. And he said, and then eventually it just falls off. And I took a minute (laughs) to make sure that I heard what he said. And I said, you, you just let this, the, the saliva run out of your mouth when you're running. And he said, well, yeah, what else would you have me do with it? And I said, I don't know, maybe swallow. I don't know. I don't know. But that seems like a weird process to get to. I don't know. And at this point I was kind of like, there have been a lot of things that don't quite jive, but I've been like, this is okay. But now all of a sudden I'm like, I don't understand the person that would rather have spit just trail out of their mouth than spit it out or swallow it. Like now I'm just into a whole nother like frame of mind that I'm trying to really dissect how I ended up sitting at this table with this gentleman when this is, and I thought, you know what, Sarah, it's all right. Like get over your damn self. So I said, all right. Yeah. Hey, you know, whatever. I don't run. (laughs) So, So whatever you're doing to do it, good job. So we moved on to talk about family. I said, where are you from? You from here? That kind of thing. And he said, I'm from the, no, I'm from out East. Um, and we talked a little bit about his family and this was quite a few years ago. So some of the details are a little fuzzy because parts of the story stick out so much. He said, um, they recently lost his mom, um, which was very sad. And we talked about that for a little bit. And then, and I, th- I think he said she'd, she'd maybe passed about a year or, or so ago, maybe, maybe even more than that. And he said the holidays were really rough, but mainly this last Christmas was the worst. And this last Christmas, he was 31 years old and he went back home out East to visit his dad for Christmas. I think he has brothers, if I remember correctly, but the main part of the story was about his mom and dad. He said, I went out to visit my dad out East for Christmas and I got really kind of upset because I went out to visit him and I got there on like the 21st and he said he wasn't feeling very good. And then on like the 23rd, he said he was feeling a lot worse. And so I took him to the doctor and it turns out he was like having a heart attack. And so he had to stay at the hospital and he ended up being in the hospital until like for like five or six days, he didn't come home till the next week. And so it was like the almost new year's Eve before I got to open my presents And before I could say anything, he said, and it didn't really matter anyway, because when my mom was alive, she got me like a lot of presents. And now that it's just my dad, he only buys me like three presents. I think, I think what I got was three presents that year. And then he started to list off the three things that he'd gotten as a gift from his dad for Christmas. And this is the part that stopped me dead in my tracks because I love to get presents. I don't know a single person on the planet who does not like to receive gifts, but as a grown ass woman who has my own shit in my own house, I cannot ever think of faulting a family member for not giving me enough gifts at a holiday time. And I also cannot 
comprehend thinking in such a selfish manner when a family member is clearly having a health issue. And if this is how this gentleman lives his life, more power to him. This is not how, this is not, this is not the frame of mind that I can put myself in. And so I just really kind of checked out mentally at that point. We can continue the conversation, but given how shitty he talked about his dad for the following 20 minutes after that and why the presents weren't good and why he shouldn't have had to wait. And his major, major gripe was his dad knew he wasn't feeling good before he got there. So if he would have went to the doctor and had this looked into his Christmas wouldn't have been delayed because he could have maybe gotten ahead of this. Now, I know some of you are thinking like, maybe he was mean and like, he was just upset about his dad being sick over the holiday and that like he was, nope, it wasn't that. Nope. It was not, it had nothing to do with his dad's health. I was there. I was in the conversation. He brought up the presents more than the dad's health. There was a major present focus. The gifts were the only thing that mattered in this conversation. And that is just a really hard pill to swallow. So we finished up our supper. I said I was going to head home. He gave me a hug at my car. He texted me five days later on July 5th and said, happy belated 4th of July. And that was the last time I heard from him. Now, my friend Mackenzie got married a couple of years ago, and I was lucky enough to be invited to the wedding. Um, I was late to the wedding because I'm late to everything in my entire life, not because I don't care, not because I don't know, because I just really always, always overestimate how much I'm going to be able to get done in a select amount of time. And I am always trying to cram one more thing at the last minute. And it's usually, um, some, you know, especially with getting ready for a wedding, it's usually like, Ooh, let me curl this one more piece of hair. And then it's like 45 minutes later, my hair is burning and I've got eyelash glue in my bangs and I have to call in sick to work or whatever the thing is. So I'm arrived late to her wedding and I, she was getting ready to walk down the aisle. I found the bride at the back of the aisle and she said, go ahead and walk in. And I said, I don't want to walk in before you at your time. And she said, get in there so that everybody can be seated before I walk in. And I felt so awful. So Mackenzie, you know who you are. I'm sorry that I was late to your wedding. You know, I love you hard and I've tried to show up early for everything and I'm always late. But this gentleman, Chad, was at Mackenzie's wedding because they're friends, obviously. And at Mackenzie's wedding, she did this really fun thing where instead of waiting to be released to go to the food line, if somebody from your table would come up and sing a bit of karaoke, your table could get up and go eat. And it was just like a really good icebreaker to get people, A, out of the dance floor, B, get random bits of music played in the reception to get the party started, and C, people like didn't care about going to eat. They were like waiting to see who the next person was that was going to sing and what ridiculousness they were going to sing. And it was super fun. So if you're a bride looking for an exciting option, that was fun. And Chad got up as a designated karaoke singer for his table and sang the word, the song balls, which is just the word balls over and over and over again. Like balls, 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 like that at that beat, at that tempo over and over and over again at a wedding reception where half of the people that are in attendance are pretty devout to their religious beliefs and maybe was not the crowd 
for the song balls. Um, and so if there was a point in my life where I was ever super double sure that I'm glad that I did not try something a little bit harder, it was at that moment at that reception uh, when I listened to Chad have to be told by the MC, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Your, t- your table can get up and eat just to get him to stop singing the song balls at, uh, at a wedding reception. Um, so that is my second tale. And I have interestingly enough, ran into Chad all over our local area um, and on more than one occasion. And I never, um, I always smile. I don't know if he knows who I am or not. He doesn't ever, it doesn't seem to register on his face. I think he recognized me at the wedding. I always believe in being kind. Um, but I've never felt a bit of remorse. And so I think that that's a, that's a real good thing. Um, so to all the chads out there who let the drool run out of the corners of their mouth and, um, get pissed off for their families, not giving them enough gifts at at Christmas, this is an episode for you. And that's just another one of the tales of a bumbling idiot. Be well.